Darnell Williams at the tailback. They'll hand it off to Williams up the middle. 25. Cuts it inside. 30. 35. 40. There goes Cadillac. To the 50. To the 40. To the 30. To the 20. To the 15. 10. Go crazy, Cadillac. Go crazy. Touchdown. Now they can play a little safer. But they're not going to. Nix is back. Throws it downfield. Caught. Touchdown, Williams. A 20-yard attempt. Josh Harris, the snapper. He'll call to the place. He'll hold it. Byron waits for the snap to the place. There it is. The kick is up. The kick is good. Auburn wins. 22-19. What's going on, everybody? And welcome to another episode of the Auburn Today podcast. We have a lot to break down today. We're really excited to get back into all of the breakdown with baseball, basketball, and football. Uh, obviously, the late breaking news for baseball is that Auburn will be hosting a regional. The regional will consist of UCLA, Florida State, and Southeast Louisiana, and Auburn will be taking on Southeast Louisiana in the first game of the regional. Uh, for those who aren't super you know, in touch with Southeast Louisiana baseball, like most of us are not, they are 30 and 29 on the year with 14 and 10 uh, as their conference record. They, some common opponents, they, lost, they had a series against UAB and they lost two to one. Auburn obviously uh, played UAB in a midweek game and beat them. Uh, the Southeast Louisiana also played Arkansas and lost the series uh, to them in Fayetteville by, Fayetteville by a score of two to one. Uh, Auburn also lost the series to Arkansas 2-1. to one. However, that was in Auburn. It was also at the end of the season, so they were a little bit better. Uh, they beat Ole Miss in a midweek game 5-1. to one. Uh, They were swept by Sanford. Um, that's kind of wrapping up the common opponents. They had a game against South Alabama that was canceled. They beat Troy 5-4 to four in a midweek game. They lost in a tight one 3-2 to two to Southern Miss, who was also hosting a regional Um and they played them again and lost nine to four. So when you look at them, they, they've had some games where they look really good. They've, you know, they've had some games where they've played a really, a really quality opponent and, you know, won or kept it close. They've also had some games where they lose 17 to three against LSU or they lose 11 to one against Arkansas. So it's a lot of it is if you get them on a good day or if you get them on a bad day. So. Obviously, Auburn can be hoping that we get them on a bad day for our first game. But, Wheeler, what are your thoughts about, first of all, hosting a regional for the first time since 2010 and just kind of of the landscape of the opponents that Auburn will potentially be facing? And do you think it is over a 50% chance that Auburn is the winner of this regional and advances to the Supers? Or do you think it's more likely that another team uh, advances? Yes. Over 50% chance we advance. That's first of all. Second of all, uh, 2010, last time we did it, things went well for football. I'm just putting that out there because I'm smoking the crack again about football. Anyway, aside from that, we ought to mop the floor with these guys on the Friday night game. Like, this is what hosting a regional is all about. You get a crap team to come and play at your home floor or your home whatever field not floor <laughs> uh yeah still in the basketball mode over there for wheeler <laughs> operate hashtag operation atmosphere 
look, if they can't get it done for this, it isn't getting done. Uh, right field will be bumping with those great seats where you can't see anything. The parking deck will actually be bumping. That'll be kind of cool. Um, tickets, $75. Gets you the whole weekend. Uh, if anybody has extra tickets for the whole weekend, um, hit your boy up. Uh, I need them. Uh, anyway, I want to see the home floor. I mean, field. So, yeah, no, I think uh, game one should be easy. Uh, if we end up playing UCLA game two, or get, I guess it really did, we'll play them eventually. Um, they kind of had an awesome game last week. I don't know if you got the chance to see that, where they were down like nine runs in the ninth inning, and they came back to win. So, obviously a team with a lot of firepower. Um, and Auburn's been in a little bit of a slump here. This has been kind of similar to uh, how basketball finished, but I think the main difference here is the slump was really against one team. Like, we did not match up well against Kentucky for whatever odd reason. And it might just be, I mean, Kentucky was a good baseball team. They were one of the few teams, uh, they may have been the only team, that beat Tennessee in a series this year. And so... You go up to their home field, you lose one of the games in a doubleheader, um, and then you get bounced off of, I mean, inexplicable pitching performance in the ninth inning for Auburn, where you give up back-to-back, you know, moonshots to lose the game. Um, Just a tough thing. I don't feel like the team is just, like, collapsing in on itself like basketball was, where it was like, my goodness, I'm nervous for this Jacksonville State game. You know, it... The baseball team feels like they're in a little bit stronger of a position, but definitely fading a little bit. Um, Team went to the lake, you know, team bonding. They weren't throwing anybody's golf ball into the water. Shout out Brody. Shout out maybe you can hit it over the fence. Um, And so, yeah, that's going to be baseball. Uh, Not a super deep dive into baseball, partially because, well, baseball is not really our game as much well, i enjoy and, watching it but i think as far as tactically noble is far superior yeah and i think it's going to be an it's going to be an interesting an interesting uh setup i'm interested to see how we kind of float around with the pitchers for the regional um whether we you know try and start with gonzalez like because it's you know it's ncaa tournament baseball you got to just get the wins when you can or if we're going to try and save gonzalez for that UCLA game or the potential Florida State game. I think it'll be interesting to see what we do with the pitchers. Um, we've, and this is another thing that we haven't, uh, we haven't really talked about. What were your thoughts on the hitting, the, the, the batting order change that happened? Um, I believe the Alabama series was the first series that uh, we did it. You know, we did it because Sonny was in a bad slump. We tried to kind of move some things around um, and have – you know, move Blake in the order. We tried putting Brody at first, but or have Brody, you know, hit first, but he he really was really struggling. So we kind of moved him down the down the rotation again. You've got uh, Mason Land, who looks like he's going to be the guy at left field for you know this postseason, and then obviously you've got um, you've got Cam Hill kind of floating in and out. You can't really figure out if they want him in the lineup. So. Do you think what what are your thoughts kind of about how the hitting lineup has gone and are were you in favor of the switch or were you more in favor of just kind of sticking with what we had 
in the regular season kind of letting them just play it out or what what were your thoughts on that that change I liked it a lot because I felt like during the regular season we were somewhat dependent on the bombs you know we needed home runs to get runs in and I think that the new batting order both of the ones that they've been trying have been a little bit more targeted towards getting guys on and having those guys that are hitting 225 250 you know little bit lower on their batting average, an opportunity to get one of those hits with somebody on. So instead of having a front-loaded roster where you get a guy on and you hope Sonny hits a shot, you're basically, let's get some guys on and hope that somebody, you know, surprises us and gets one down in the field, hits a single. Um, So, yeah, I'm all for it. Uh, We had a little bit of trouble, you know, towards the end of the season and – really in the SEC tournament with the bunting uh, not being where it needed to be. There were a couple of times where we had a guy on first with no outs and we would try and do the small ball, you know, bunt to get the guy moving. And it just, it never seemed to work out because we'd like bunt, get an out. And then we'd hit a pop fly that wasn't deep enough for the runner to advance. So then you've basically sacrificed two guys to get one base. I don't know. I just feel like they've been trying the small ball, and eventually it's going to hit. But as of right now, it's just been not quite there. So I hope it happens during the regional. Yeah, and I also think it's very. I think that the the guys need to be a little bit more aggressive, and I think that's you know that 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 is echoing what Butch was saying in his post game interview after Auburn lost to Kentucky and Hoover. It was just. You know, they, they, it seemed like they were watching a lot of good pitches. And you're just like, it, they were always looking for the perfect one. Whereas I think that we're going to come out in in this tournament. I think we're going to be, we're going to be swinging. We're going to be really aggressive. We're going to be trying to get as many hits as possible. And I, I'm excited to see. I think that we're going to see a, a bit of an offensive change of philosophy almost. Um, but I also am excited because, you know, this was something that I, I kind of predicted. I never really thought we were going to win much in Hoover. I didn't think this team was going to win much in Hoover. I am kind of jaded because of recent years. I don't really get excited about the SEC baseball tournament because Auburn doesn't really hasn't really played well in the tournament in a while. So I, I was kind of more like, okay, this can be similar to 2019 where you know you lose to LSU on a heartbreaker, just a bad game and then you end up catching fire in the tournament, and then you make the College World Series. So I'm kind of – that was more my thought process of, you know, we got the host. The, the Kentucky game really doesn't mean anything, you know. Like, now that, we, now that we're hosting, it really doesn't make much of a difference. So we're okay. We had that loss. We saw where our, our holes were. We're able to fix some things. And, yeah, I'm excited for the, the, the tournament. I'm excited to be in Auburn and – you know, obviously there's some raucous atmospheres in college baseball. You know, you just look through the, you know, the hosting sites. You got College Station, which is going to be bumping. You've got East Carolina, which is always just electric. You've got the Austin Regional. And then you've got, obviously, Auburn coming in. So hopefully Auburn can compare to some of those bigger names when it comes to atmosphere. But I'm excited. You're such a jerk. <laughs> For, for those who don't know, Wheeler is a, a massive East Carolina fan. This is just he not thinks, the truth. He thinks that their fans are some of the most rowdy, just passionate fans in college sports. So I, you know, 
always have to echo Weather's thoughts uh, on this podcast. So we're excited about East Carolina baseball hosting a regional one. Just if you ever get any time, go watch some East Carolina sports because it will be it will be a treat to behold. According how about to this? How about you set the stage of how it actually was? Imagine yourself in this situation. Everyone who's listening, just close your eyes and imagine you're sitting on your couch. It's the Friday after Thanksgiving. All right. Auburn's leading Syracuse at halftime. And you don't want to watch, you know, Seth Greenberg on the halftime show. You want to watch some actual action. So you flip over to the East Carolina Cincinnati football game to see if a group of five team is going to make the playoff. And lo and behold, East Carolina has sold out and blacked out the entire stadium. It is packed to the gills. They've got the big North Carolina with the pirate in the midfield. And it was awesome for a quarter. And I just pointed out to Noble. I said, wow, that looks like a lot of fun to be at. And it's turned into this wild story that Noble thinks that I think East Carolina is an elite atmosphere on par with College Station and the Midnight Yell. No, I was just, I was being complimentary of a team that I saw. I saw that they sold their stadium out. Group of five teams selling their stadium out. That's always impressive. And so I don't know why there's got to be all this hate. Here's the other thing, y'all. So, you know, NBA has been not great this playoffs. Um, they've managed to find themselves without a playoff game on a Saturday, like five of the last six Saturdays, because, you know, who wants to watch the NBA on Saturday? Let's, I guess, have nothing. So I got into hockey. Okay. I tell Noble, I said, come on, let's watch some hockey. We're down at the beach. Oh, I don't like hockey. Oh, I'm an NBA guy. Well, buddy. The NBA had known because their scheduling guy can't figure out how to get a game on a Saturday. Actually, no. The, series had the been NBA trashed. was on. The NBA was on when you turned on hockey. It was just not a close, close game. Then. It was but one the of NBA those ridiculous was blowouts. No, anyway, last night, Nobles texted me, hey, you watching this game? Which, in fact, I was because I represent the brand. The third period in a hockey game, iconic. I mean – when the team pulls the keeper out of the net and they're trying to score at the end, there's nothing better. Maybe college football this and is college what, basketball in the NFL. This is what, just so y'all know, this is what, when Auburn sports are starting to, you know, phase out, there's not a ton of football news. There's really not a ton of basketball news. Baseball, there's not really much news. I mean, when the games aren't going on, there's not a whole lot to, you know, read about with baseball. It drives us to watch other sports, and it drives us to watching hockey, and it's just not a good. It's just not a good thing. I enjoy hockey. I, I think I think that hockey is entertaining to watch. I think it's a little harder for me to get into and really follow super closely, in the sense of like you know rosters and everything like I do for other other sports. But at the end of the day, hockey is just not as exciting as college football basketball i i personally just enjoy college sports more um i don't watch college hockey because there's like 30 d1 teams so there's not that option but Wheeler is definitely uh, a national guy he likes the hockey he likes seeing all the names that you can't pronounce because you know they're all not from america because the good hockey players are from other countries oh, but Wheeler's big you? what is that a problem for you 
No, not at all. I just can't oh, pronounce okay. a lot of their names. Uh-huh. It reminds uh-huh. me. Yeah, it that's reminds what I thought. me. It reminds me of watching Miracle on Ice. It's a great movie, but it always will, you know, bring up all the Russian people, and they all look angry, and it just makes me proud to be an American. But hey, join me, Auburn Today podcast, in rooting for the Edmonton Oilers. They've got the orange, they've got the blue, and the white kind of looks like an Auburn uniform. We fell last night, you know, by two goals. They scored when we pulled the keeper out of the net. We're down 1-0 in the Western Conference Finals. So you can hop on now. The Eastern Conference Finals will start tonight. We're going for the Rangers here on the Auburn Today podcast. And, hey, I'd love it if people would communicate hockey. I don't have anybody to talk hockey with other than Noble. And he's so mean to me most of the time that I don't even want to talk to him. So I would love it if some people would send some DMs. Maybe we could get something going, get some hockey talk. Look, it's June 1st and we're a college sports podcast. I mean, we've got baseball coming up this weekend, but during the week, you got to have something. I mean, what I can only watch the blindside reenactment from the franchise so many times. That's right. And if you don't know who Braden, the franchise joiner is, but you know who Clessy, whoever Harson allegedly had the affair with was, that means you're not a true fan. That means you have your priorities out of whack. So let's talk about some recruiting. Braden, the franchise joiner, Auburn High School offensive lineman, absolute dog. Okay. I don't know if y'all have seen it. If you haven't, you need to look him up on Twitter. He's got two highlights floating around right now that would make any program in the country jealous. All right, first one, he blindsided somebody, and I don't mean like hit them when they didn't see it coming. For anyone that's seen the movie where Michael Orr said he needed to be taken to the bus, that's what Braden did. Braden got a hold of this fella and took him for a ride all the way down the field. Love to see it. The next one. I don't know if it's on Twitter. I'm sure everything's on Twitter. I've seen it on Instagram multiple times. Big old D lineman comes up. He's talking trash to Braden, but the franchise knows you don't say anything. You let your play do the talking. Dude comes at him, locks him up, throws him back. Defensive line coach gets mad. I'm telling you, it's elite. It's elite talent coming to Auburn from Auburn. Noble. Yeah, speechless. Yeah, yeah, it's great. I'm I'm excited for the franchise. Seeing how you know he can he can make a difference in the recruiting class. I like obviously seeing a four star offensive lineman in the class. It's always good. But yeah, Wheeler's a big big fan of the franchise and has seen has probably watched this clip about a hundred times over just because of how excited he is, which is awesome. It's awesome. Noble, I have a random recruiting trivia question for you. We haven't done a trivia question in a while. We have not. So, a couple years ago, a player, a defensive back, rose to prominence for perhaps the greatest name in recruiting history with the coldest to ever do it, Crawford. Uh He was committed to LSU under Coach Orgeron, probably because of his name. His offer was pulled by Brian Kelly. He then listed a bunch of SEC schools in his top five, and it was reported he had an offer from none of them. Where did the coldest to ever do it, Crawford, end up? And quit looking away from look eyes right on the camera so that I see you're not 
Googling. I'm, I'm not Googling. I I want to say Nebraska, but I could be completely wrong because I remember I, I saw the school that he ended up at and was like, wow. He went from LSU to that, and it just didn't didn't strike me as the same the same vibe. But I'm I'm locking in my answer with Nebraska. Everyone, my co-host sits on a throne of lies. He definitely Googled that. There's no, no way. I follow, I follow recruiting. If you want to know how many people, when when Brian, when it became apparent that he was not going to LSU, if you want to know the amount of DMs I got about this guy, because so many people wanted him at Auburn, not because they saw him on highlight reels or because he was a big-time player, but solely because of the name. I received so many DMs, so I followed his recruitment, and he ended up going to Nebraska. So that was one that I actually knew, and it wasn't one of your obscure trivia questions about what the hockey lens was in the 1830s, like you usually ask me when I get stumped. Well, it's unfortunate that you got it. That's a fun uh, trick you can ever, you know, good trivia question that you can pull out at the tailgate this year. You see a Nebraska game on the TV. They're losing by three touchdowns. You say, oh, you know who plays defensive back there now? Yeah. Hey. But th- that there's there's our, our Auburn recruiting question. And similar, you know, kind of to stay in the, the Auburn football, uh, you know, I don't want to say arena because they don't play in an arena, but the, the, similar, the similar concept. The kickoff times for the first three games of the season have been released. Auburn will open the season against Mercer at 6 o'clock Central Time. The next week, we will take on San Jose State at 6.30 Central Time. And then September 17th, we'll play Penn State at 2.30. Wheeler, what are your thoughts about that? Are you kind of unhappy that Auburn's two night games that are confirmed are against more cupcake teams and the big one is a 2.30 kick or – do you like the two thirty kick? Are you excited that the atmosphere is going to be bumping for the first two games? Just kind of take us away with what your thoughts are about those three those three times. First of all, bitterly disappointed that Penn State is a two thirty game. I think when the SEC's contract with CBS runs out, it is going to be the greatest thing in the world because no longer will the SEC play their primetime game in the middle of the stinking afternoon when no one wants the primetime game to be, it'll be in, well, I don't know, primetime. Like, it should be. It's crazy. I don't know why we want to put all of the good games at 2.30 in the afternoon. I suppose it's better than what the Big 12 has with the big noon kickoff. But, hey, well, I guess the Big 10 does that too sometimes, their big noon kickoff too. I mean, Ohio State, Michigan's always 11 o'clock. Yeah, it's terrible. Anyway, anything that's not a night game that's an elite game is not smart in my opinion. Um, It's going to be miserably hot for everyone. And, you know, you see the Auburn fans that say, oh, I'm glad it's at 2.30. They won't be ready for the heat. Hmm. 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 I don't know about that one. I don't know uh, if... If people are aware, it actually gets hot up in Pennsylvania as well. Um, Not as hot as Alabama, but I don't know that the game is really going to be affected by the heat. 
People said that about the USC game in 2003. They said, USC, they're soft. They're used to a dry heat. This will be humid. They'll be cramping up all day. They won't be able to play. We didn't score a touchdown in that game. We and gave up a lot of touchdowns. We didn't score one. And ironically, the person who cramped up the whole second half was Cadillac Williams because he was so nervous about the game that he didn't eat the whole day. And he had a great first half and then crumbles in the second because he didn't have any food in him. So, really, the weather hurt Auburn more than it hurt USC. Yeah. I don't know that you can call any half great without scoring. Um, he had a good half. He, he, he played well other than the fact that he didn't score points, which is the point of the game. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'm not I'm not buying that it's going to give Auburn football the advantage. All it's really going to do is increase Auburn's sales of water bottles and decrease the sales of hot dogs. Um cuz you know. <laughs> no, but have you ever just been sitting in the stadium blazing hot and been like, "You know what I could use right now is a snack." I I'm it's so hot out here. I'd love to eat something. No, nobody eats anything. And then everybody knows the game's something interesting is going to be happening. We're going to be trying to make a play, and Grandma, five rows in front of you, is going to pass out from a heat stroke. And the EMTs are going to be up there trying to drag her away. It's going to be, yeah. It's going to be iconic. It's going to be just another one of those games. It's going to be like one of those Auburn LSU games. This podcast has gone on a few rabbit trails. This has been this has been an interesting one. We either goes from talking about the heat to just talking about grandma's passing out in the middle of the game. I mean, was it is this a personal experience? Have you ever been to a game where an old woman passed out five rows in front of you and it distracted everyone from a big time play? Okay. Story time. So the year is what? Twenty eighteen. 2018, it's Auburn LSU. Uh, A lot of people remember this game for them kicking the game-winning field goal after getting three pass interference calls that marched them 45 yards down the field to get them into field goal range. I remember this game because one of the people that I was with had a heat stroke. Um, It wasn't my proudest moment. My sympathy for people that have a heat stroke during the game is not high. It's really not. Um, That just shows a lack of preparation and a lack of uh, determination and commitment to the game. So if you're an Auburn fan and you're planning on going to the Penn State game, you need to go outside just a little bit. I'm not saying you got to go outside, you know, every single day for three hours. But, hey, maybe one day you go cut the grass just so your body knows what outside feels like. Because this person, I mean, I'm not even going to say the gender that way. Nobody gets triggered because everybody knows, obviously, who it is that's listening. But this person (laughs) didn't go outside, and they, they passed out because they were studying too much. So maybe you take a study break, take a walk outside, get acclimated to the heat. That way you can make it through the game. Also, another pro tip about this, Auburn always sells out of water bottles on the really hot games. So when you go, get a reserve water bottle that you can keep until the fourth quarter because the fourth quarter, they will be out of water bottles. 
at least in the student section, the student section was notoriously bad for selling out of water bottles and they would run out of the big vats of water. Why they can't just put a hose on it so that it never runs out is beyond me. So yeah, they ran out of water bottles, but this girl passed out. She passed out in the first quarter. So it, <laughs> oh no. anyway, the person passed out in the first quarter. That's really weak. And so yeah, let's get, let's get some training done. Also, don't be that guy that tries to pregame so hard and then you're yakking because it's hot outside and you went too hard on the mimosas at the brunch pregame. Like, let's not be those people. Let, let's let's be better than that. Tips from Wheeler. We will have these. This can be a new segment that we can just give Wheeler his own little intro. In fact, I have, you know, we can... I can finally use my soundboard and I'll give Wheeler an intro and it'll be his weekly tips for the game and he'll tell personal stories. But anyways. Yeah, y'all shame Noble. I bought him a soundboard for Christmas with sound effects for the podcast. How many sound effects have y'all heard on this podcast? It's not cut. Oh, oh, somebody's screaming. Do it again. See, that's the that's the boo. I mean, I might start doing that whenever you have a bad Do it day. again. I want to hear it. Eh, it didn't come through great. Oh, well. But regardless, that is our kind of our football talk. And we'll have a more kind of in-depth with all the with all the transfers when all the transfers are, you know, kind of officially in the class and um, officially part of the team. We'll have an in-depth kind of breakdown of uh, each one individually. Um, but then there's some big news with basketball, obviously. Uh, Dylan Cardwell and Alan Flanagan have both removed their names from the NBA draft and will return to Auburn University. Um, those were two guys, you know, Cardwell was definitely expected. Flanagan was more like we expected it, but also if he had, if he had stayed in the draft, it wouldn't have been super crazy. Um, uh, another kind of tidbit is Jalen Harper, the brother of Auburn, former Auburn point guard Jared Harper, has joined the team and he has taken the spot of other walk-on Michael Whitmore who entered the transfer portal uh, last week. So that is a little bit of the roster update, but Wheeler, what are your thoughts and how do you think the return of Cardwell and Flanagan will impact both the starting lineup and the team as a whole? Yeah. I mean, I think this is kind of, we've been talking about the lineups in previous podcasts and I mean, we kind of expected both Dylan and Allen to come back. Um, and then I don't think that we're going to fill that uh, last scholarship spot. I think that's kind of more the the thing is that now that Allen and Dylan are coming back, we can just about, you know, say for certainty, unless something some crazy person comes out into the transfer portal, that this will probably be a year that we take that NCAA penalty and uh, drop a scholarship down because I think the roster is pretty set already. I mean, Bruce said at an ambush event a couple of weeks ago, that he feels like Noah in the Bible because he has two of everything. So, I mean, it sounded like he kind of knew that they were going to withdraw their name from the portal. Otherwise, he would have not been like, yeah, we're stacked. So, I think that's the bigger, I think that's the more intriguing thing than them coming back is that we probably just burned the scholarship this year. Yeah, which I'm honestly in favor of. I think it's smarter to just get it out of the way and, there really aren't, like, even if you look at the guys that are in the portal right now, 
there really aren't any there's not anybody where you're just like this guy's an absolute game changer that's left in the portal right now there are guys that you think can you know make an impact but also you you don't want to be in this same position in a draft or in a in a class where you have, you know, a five, a big time five star that hadn't made a decision yet, a big time transfer that hadn't made a decision yet, that are considering you, you want to have that scholarship open. So in a year like this, I think it might be smarter to just take it. And, you know, with the with the veterans that we have on this team, might be the best option. And you know, this this team really is starting to remind me of the 2020 Auburn team that ended up, you know, had that super hot start. Um, had some ups and downs, but in a, you know they, they had the the horrible game against Florida. They beat Alabama. They beat Kentucky. You know that team with uh, Ashton Hagens, Emmanuel Quickly, Tyrese Maxey. They beat Tennessee uh, on the road in the season with Isaac Okoro and Samir Doughty. And you know Allen, I think Allen could be the Samir Doughty kind of guy, someone who was not really what we wanted last season had some growth, but still did some good – played good defense, but on the offensive end wasn't what he needed to be. But it was okay because everyone else kind of picked up the slot. He didn't need to be that offensive guy. But then kind of stepping in, he's the guy his last year, he's the offensive guy, ends up being a first-team All-SEC caliber player. So I, I think that Alan Flanagan is the, the, big, the big guy to look at. I think that a lot of people aren't – Super excited about Allen coming back, but I personally have all – I mean, I've been high on Flanagan the whole season. I think that he's going to really transform his game and be – I think he's going to be the best player on, on this team. I do. But, Weather, what, what are your thoughts on, uh, on Allen? Yeah, I agree. I mean, I agree with what you were saying about how he'll have that season that we've kind of been waiting for him to have. I do think that he's a better player than Samir and can step up a little bit more. I think that Allen can almost have a year like what these big-time players like Jabari, Isaac, all of the guys that come in that are supposed to be draft picks and then improve their draft stock a lot. I think that Allen will almost have like one of those super freshman years, you know, where he makes his draft stock a lot better. Because you think about it, I mean, the first year that he came in, he was struggling to – score the basketball okay second year he's able to score the ball but just kind of the way that the lineups worked out he didn't get a ton of playing time so then you go to the next uh season and he's a star but because of the you know shortened covid season he decides to not play um well i guess no he had two seasons because the last season was his third season so he had 2019 where he couldn't where he score. Couldn't score. Yeah. Then he had 2020, this is the COVID season. He's the star, but the team's terrible. And then this year, he's injured. So I just feel like we keep waiting for that breakout year and something keeps happening, whether it's a pandemic or an Achilles injury from falling off of a scooter. Um, And so any of the ways that it happens, I think he's going to have a big season. Yeah, I, I'm definitely – I think that this is going to be – his year, and also I think that Jalen Williams is going to be a, a big contributor. And really, I mean, I think that if I think that if Flanagan and Williams can be the two best players on the team, I think that's going to be huge for you know in March. You know, I mean, you're going to have two seniors that are your best players. 
And then you're also going to have, you know, Janai Broom, who, you, you know, you kind of are, you know, you're, you're, he's one that you're almost able to predict what his impact will be because of what he did at Moorhead State. You're going to have a five-star, you know, guy that's also in that front court. You're going to have another year of, you know, Wendell Green, Katie Johnson, Zap Jasper, and their development in the system. You know, I, I really do think that this – I think that this team has the potential to surprise a lot of people, but I also think that they are one injury away from being 2021 all over again. And so there's there's a lot of uncertainty around this team, and really you're not going to – you're not going to be able to figure out what they're going to be until you see them on the court actually playing, see how they gel as a team, see how they've developed and all that, but – I think basketball is really an interesting topic. I'm personally super excited about this team. I think we're going to be a little bit better than people think we are. Um, but, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm high on these guys. Smoking the crack, if you will. You smoking the crack on football yet? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. I still think uh, – and, I, and you know, personally, I've, I've predicted that we will be better than most people do, but I don't think I will ever – move from my eight to nine wins if this team wins 10 games i would be absolutely floored shocked you know all kinds of surprised if this team won 10 football games yeah well i think it's gonna happen 10 is my expectation now you expect the you expect this auburn football team to win 10 games yes sir Wow. Well, all right. I guess, you know, we either started listening to that Harson podcast and just got real excited and is smoking the crack and is excited about the, the impact of everyone, I guess. I don't know. I don't really understand how you've been propelled from six wins to ten wins in about a month. It's getting that time, man. It's, it's getting to be that time. We've got the cool videos on Instagram of the guys arriving. Damari is making videos with Takeo. Carson's got his swagger back. He's got a podcast going. He and Coach Keese talking life, talking ball. I'm telling you, man, 10-win season. All right. Well, Wheeler's excited. I don't think anyone else is quite as excited as Wheeler is or, you know, quite as expectant of success as we there is but you know if you are feel free to shoot us a dm and so that we there can you know smoke the crack with somebody but i feel like that kind of wraps up this segment of the podcast we'll be back next week to break down uh more about baseball we'll kind of know you know or obviously we'll know how the regional went we'll be able to talk about that as always, thank you all for listening, and if you have any questions, comments, or concerns, feel free to DM the page. Thank you all again, and War Eagle. Hey, remember, you can DM if you want to smoke the crack about smoking Southeast Louisiana. If you want to talk Oilers hockey, you want to talk Rangers hockey, you want to talk game day tips, or smoke the crack about Auburn football, DMs open. War Eagle. <laughs>